the teacher had put fabulous work. Well, that's good. That's a good word to describe your work. Better than rubbish. No, it was... Or le- terrible, or it made me cry. You wouldn't want her to write that. No. Evie, this work was so terrible, it made me cry. Uh... And I'm not going to be a teacher anymore. <laughs> Dad? Yeah? Um, I mean, t- today was good. It actually said, fabulous new story. Mm. Well, you do like new stories. Yeah, I like stories. Well, here's a story for you. You ready? Yes. Good. And maybe a little tiny bit annoying. Hey up, I'm Joe Heathcote and this is Consistently Eccentric, a British history podcast where we try to make sense of some of the lesser known and more absurd people and events these islands have produced. So let's get started with... This story starts in the Stuart era. What's a Stuart era? Okay, so you remember how we had the Tudor kings and queens? Yeah. After them... It was the Stuart kings and queens. And it's during the time that they were on the throne of England. But we're not starting in England, Evie. We're not starting in England at all. We're starting in the country of Portugal. Oh, I thought Scotland. No, Portugal's on the west coast of mainland Europe. So, yeah, have got France. Mm-hmm. Below France, you've got Spain. Mm-hmm. And on the west side of Spain, you've got Portugal. It's yeah. like a little strip just on the coast there. They've got a lot of nice beaches. Oh, OK. That's good to hear. Because on November the 25th, 1638, Catherine of Braganza was born. And that's who we're going to be following today. Catherine. Okay? That's, that's, this is a good start to the story. Good. She was the second daughter of a Portuguese duke called John. So her dad was John. Now, normally, being the daughter of a duke would mean a guaranteed life of privilege. However, at the time that Catherine was born, Portugal was under the rule of Spain. (gasps) That's bad. That's really, really bad, Dad. Well, it was bad for the Portuguese because the new Spanish king, Philip IV, was doing his best to take away all the power and influence that the Portuguese nobles had. So Catherine's dad, John, was a big kind of mover and shaker. He got to help make laws... He made lots of money and then the Spanish took over Portugal and went, actually, we'd like to make all the rules now and we'd like all the money. I actually think that the Portugal king is doing better than the... There is no Portuguese king at the moment. What? That's what taking over means. The king of Spain is now ruling Portugal as well. Oh, well, I think he was doing a better job than the king of Spain. What are we basing that on? Fairness. Fairness, okay. He's being really kind and generous. I mean, the Portugal guy is being super kind and generous, trying to make things better for the other people, but... That's what left him weak and open to attack by the Spanish. You can't just be nice to everybody, Evie. Yes, I can. People have motives. Well... Evil motives. Oh, that freaks me out. Like the Spanish King Philip IV, he had evil motives, and he wanted to make... Portugal, just another region in Spain. He wanted it to no longer be its own kingdom. It needs to be its own kingdom. Well, some of the nobles agreed with you, including Catherine's father. And they decided that what they'd do to try and stop the Spanish from enacting this plan... Murder the king! Not quite that far. (laughs) Sorry, sometimes my brain tells me that murder's the best solution. We need to have a word about that part of your brain because it needs to be suppressed. I know. 
No, they decided that they'd just have a rebellion. So not quite murder, they'd just have a rebellion. What's against... a rebellion? It means that they'd rise up, get weapons and kick the Spanish out. That was their plan. They were going to kick all the Spanish out of Portugal and say, no, this is our place. Off you pop back to Spain, that's your place. Yeah, that's a good idea. Okay. So, on December 1st, 1640, they did do a little bit of murder. They murdered the Spanish Secretary of State. So the guy that the king had put in to rule on his behalf in Portugal. So they murdered him. Good. They, they took the king's cousin hostage and they declared that Portugal was an independent nation once again. And uh, if the king didn't like it, they'd murder his cousin as well. I'm not happy with that because it kind of reminds me, it kind of makes me think that my cousin's getting that. Yeah, well, you don't need to worry because they didn't kill the cousin. They just held him hostage and later he gets released. I don't think I cover it in this, but they did. Good, good. Now, all the Portuguese needed to do now that they declared independence again was decide who was going to take on the job of being the new king. And do you know who they eventually decided? I think I know. John! They did. They decided that Catherine's dad, John, was just the right person to be a king. Wait, why? Because he was liked by all the other nobles and they thought he'd do things right. He'd do things in the right way for them. Now that is a good reason to make him the king. That is a good reason. He became John the Fourth of Portugal and his daughter Catherine suddenly became a princess at the age of only two. So for the first two years of her life she wasn't a princess, but then she was. Well, I'm just glad that Catherine didn't get hurt. And a fun fact, King Philip the Fourth of Spain and King John the Fourth of Portugal, they were actually third cousins. So they were related as well anyway. Because all royalty is on some level related. So that guy that they just kicked out of Portugal, he was John's cousin. He was John's cousin, yeah. That's just the way it is. <laughs> this declaration of independence led to a war between Spain and Portugal that lasted all through Catherine's childhood. So So while Catherine was growing up to be my age... Yep. War. I think it might have been a bit scary for her. Well, it might have been if she'd been just living in Portugal and at threat of invasion, but she lived in a palace in the capital, Lisbon. Was she safe there? Yeah, she was very safe because her dad had made an alliance with the French against the Spanish. Yes, go France! It meant that the chances of an invasion reaching all the way to Lisbon were very, very slim. Even so, her mother was very protective of Catherine. And reportedly, before she became an adult, she had only, and this is a direct quote, had hardly been ten times out of the palace in her life. (gasps) So do you know how you go to school every day? Yeah. And you have to leave the house every day to do that? Yeah. She only left her house, the palace, ten times before she turned into an adult. She spent all of her time in the palace. She didn't do a single sleepover. What? There was nothing. She was very protected. Now, as a princess, Catherine was destined to never get a chance to marry for love. Instead, she would be matched with whatever man gave her family the best political advantage. But that's not fair because she might not like him at all. Well, that's her job. And it got especially important that Catherine married someone important as her older sister Joanna had died in 1653, leaving her as the only daughter that King John had available to marry off. 
So she's she's the only one that he's got to make make political advantage with. Then why don't they just adopt a child? Mm, doesn't work like that, unfortunately. She he had John had some boys, but it's quite, a little bit different because the boys are going to take over. Before Catherine, at this time, girls weren't involved in the succession, so it was only boys that counted. She so could. She wasn't allowed to be a queen. She was. She's allowed to be a queen so long as she marries a king. If her dad dies, she's not going to become queen. Her younger brother's going to become king because women weren't in the line of succession at this point. Well, that's just bad. We'd already had an English... We'd had two English queens at this point. Good. Who were they? That was Mary and Elizabeth, who were both Henry VIII's kids. So they were allowed to be queens, but it hadn't quite taken off all across Europe at this point. Now, for the longest time, it seemed that Catherine would be sent to marry Louis XIV of France in order to secure the alliance against Spain over the generations. Louis, well, that rings a bell. He also liked to be known, Louis, as the Sun King because he believed that everything revolved around him and that he was the most important person in the world. (laughs) That's funny. The Sun can't go around him. Well, he's the King of France, so I think you'll find it does, Evie. And if not, you may be executed by the King of France for insubordination, Okay, So maybe you should just keep quiet on the whole the sun can't revolve around a monarch kind of theory that you have. (laughs) But it can't. If it revolves around them, they will burn like a hot dog. It can revolve at distance. It can revolve... Far away. It's revolving around the planet, not a guy, not a random guy. Back then, we believed it revolved around a Frenchman's head. Anyway, that plan to marry the Sun King was abruptly changed in 1659, when France, they decided to switch sides, and they started supporting Spain instead. (gasps) Evil France. Boo! Louis married a Spanish princess called Maria Theresa the next year in 1660. Luckily, though, the very same year, a new opportunity to marry a European king presented itself with the restoration of the monarchy in Britain. Don't marry marry the Spanish guys. Don't. No, that's already happened. Louis married the Spanish princess. No, I mean Catherine. Don't marry the Spanish Oh, she's not going to be marrying the Spanish. She's thinking of marrying the new British king. King Charles II. King Charles II. The one we've got currently is the third. Okay? I know it's confusing that we've got a King Charles at the moment. Charles rings a bell. Yes, because he's our current king as well. But he's the third. This is the second. This is the one before that was called Charles, okay? Okay. Okay. Because what we don't want to do is we don't want to get our Charles confused, do we? No, we don't. No. He was eight years older than Catherine but he could provide the Portuguese with much-needed military support, so a marriage contract was quickly drawn up, because this was business, Evie. Were, were, were Catherine and... Uh, what was his name Charles again? II. Charles... Were, were Catherine and Charles friends? Not... They hadn't met by this point when it was decided they were going to marry, so we'll find out if they're friends or not later. OK. OK? A contract was needed because Charles wouldn't just be getting Catherine in the marriage. As part of the deal, Charles II also received the North African port of Tangier, 
and seven islands off the coast of Bombay in India, as well as a hefty amount of cash and trading rights in Brazil. What are trading rights? It means that we're allowed to buy and sell things from Brazil in Portuguese territories. These perks would later be key in the development of the East India Trading Company and the formation of the British Empire, making the marriage of Catherine and Charles arguably one of the most consequential acts in all of British history. Well, I think that that they're a good match. They were a good match for Charles and ultimately for the British because it allowed us to um, colonise India, it allowed us to start trading on the on the American mainland and setting up in the Caribbean. It was really, really important in the formation of the British Empire. Okay. They didn't know it at the time, though. They didn't know it when, when they were getting married. It's just the way that things shook out later. Okay. In return for all of this, Charles agreed to provide naval support and to send troops to reinforce the Portuguese army as they continued to resist Spanish attempts to invade because the Spanish weren't giving up. They kept turning up at the border and going, let us in, let let us in. We Were want they... your land. <laughs> well, just saying that won't help. Then they'll just... They've got a gun. <laughs> we'll use our gun. We want your land. Let us in. Then they'll just shoot Stop them. having a king. We've got a better one. You can borrow him. Tell them no. Tell them no. Don't listen to the Spanish. They're trying to take over you. Well, now they've got British support because the contract was finalised and Catherine was sent on a ship to England arriving in Portsmouth on May the 14th, 1662. At the time she arrived, she couldn't speak any English and she was not visited by her new husband for over a week. So she was just left in Portsmouth. Sad. And when he met her, he met her literally the day before they went and got married in the church. Uh, A day. Dad, Hmm? now did Catherine know any English? No, not at this point. She landed. She's been in England a week. She hasn't learned any English because she was planning on marrying the French king. So she probably learnt a lot of French in preparation for that. And then suddenly they pull a switcheroo and go, no, you're not going to France. You're going to England. And they have a completely different language that you know nothing of. Switcheroo? Is she going to try and speak French instead? No, she... Well, I think... Because that guy, Charles, he might actually... Well, he actually might know. Well, for the longest time, all the royals in England spoke French. You know William the Conqueror? Yeah. He was French. What? Of course he was French. He came from Normandy. He spoke what? French. William the Conqueror was French? Well, he's from Normandy. We covered this. And his son and all of his kids who took over. No. You told me that he was from a different country. I said he was from Normandy, went, which is an area in France. And then he went to France. No, his ancestors were Vikings. What? It's getting too complicated. What you need to know is that at one point, all the royals in England and all the nobility spoke French. But by this time, they were starting to speak English. So she needed to know English at some point. Now, while it sounds like everyone was getting what they wanted... Except, you know, maybe Catherine. What do you mean, not getting what she wanted? Well, we don't know, because she wasn't getting any money out of this. She was just getting a new husband, and we don't... She only met him a day ago. So is she getting what she wants by marrying him? Maybe, Mm. because he's got a lot of money. Hmm. And cash. Well, there was a little problem with the marriage from the get-go. 
because Catherine was Catholic. And since Henry VIII had formed his own Church of England, Catholicism had been viewed by the English with suspicion. Catholicism. It's a type of Christianity. It was assumed that Catholics were always plotting to bring the country back under the influence of the Pope, a view that had appeared at least a little justified when a group of Catholics, including a man called Guy Fawkes, had attempted to blow up the Houses of Parliament in 1606. I already know that Guy Fawkes was trying to do that. Yeah, but that's why people didn't trust Catholics. In fact, Catholics couldn't hold any government offices for the longest time following that. And definitely... So Catherine couldn't marry? No, she could, but it was just a bit of an issue that she was a Catholic. Because the king marrying a Catholic made a lot of people in government very worried indeed. To the point that when Catherine requested, via an interpreter I assume, that they marry in a Catholic ceremony, the king had to do so in secret, before having a second Church of England wedding in front of all the royal subjects. So they did secret Catholic marriage for her, but then oh, public so Church of England. So he was he was doing something to try and make her feel better. Yeah. So Ka- so Catherine is probably now happy because she did a Catholic one, and now she's doing an English one for him. Yeah. So there's a little bit of give and take straight away, isn't there? Yeah, give and take. Ah, uh, you see, but her religion was not the only problem. Being the new Queen Consort of England. How is that a problem? Well, it was a problem because people were worried that she was going to try and convert the king to Catholicism. And do you know what he said secretly? What? He said he would one day. He would convert for her. But he that would was, what for her? He would become a Catholic for her. Oh. But he can't do it right now. You're just going to have to wait, Catherine. I promise I'll get round to it tomorrow. But that wasn't the only problem because, you see, the king... He already had a girlfriend. <gasps> He'd had a girlfriend before Catherine turned up. She was called Barbara Palmer. Barbara. I don't trust anyone called Barbara. Interesting. <laughs> I just think it's a little of a funny name because it sounds a bit like Barbara. A bit like her Barbara, okay. Like a like a person that cuts hair. Yes, I understand what a barber is, Evie. <laughs> yeah, but not only had he had this girlfriend before, he didn't want to stop seeing his girlfriend, Barbara Palmer. So he forced Ooh. his new wife, Catherine, to accept Barbara as a lady-in-waiting. And a What's lady in... a lady-in-waiting? It's a woman who lives at the palace alongside the Queen. So she had to have her husband's girlfriend living with her helping pick out her dresses, helping wash her in the morning, helping prepare things for well, her. Well, if that... Well, if I, I was Catherine, I would have said, yep. You'd have said yes to that. Yeah, because then she would have been an extra help and a f- and probably when the king went out to do his kingly things, she would have had some company. Yeah, but she'd had lady-in-waitings anyway. You always get ladies-in-waiting as a queen consort. I know. But would you want someone who used to go out with your husband to be the person doing that? Uh, someone you... who used to do kissy faces at your husband? Uh, if you put it that way. Mm. Also, delete the bit where you said... Kissy faces. Yes, delete that. Not deleting kissy faces. Yes, you will. Yes, you will. Yes, you But would you be happy with that? No. Right. 
because then why didn't he marry that girl? Well, the problem was it caused quite a lot of tension in the new marriage. But Catherine, she bore the indignity of having to see her husband's girlfriend on a daily basis and set about the most important work of a queen at the time. The most important job for a queen to do. What was that? Having babies. That's the most important thing a queen can do. She's got she's to have babies. But it, it's really painful. Apparently. That's why I'm not getting married. Good I'm not to getting know. married. I'm, I'm single, but I'm living in the same house as... Right. And we're adopting children. That's good to know. Okay. Not having babies. That's fine. Children. Not forcing you to. I'm not desperate to become a grandparent, don't worry. Okay. But if she could have a baby, Catherine, then it was likely that much of the criticism of her religion would die down because one thing the public loved at the time was to know who was going to be king next because it meant there was no chance of revolution or people fighting over the throne. Having a good, solid line of succession made everyone feel safer. Unfortunately, despite trying many times, Catherine was unable to have a baby with Charles. This was an issue because without an heir to the throne, there was a risk of people fighting over who would get to rule next because the next in line was Charles's brother, James, who was a very, very vocal Catholic. So whereas Charles was a secret Catholic, James was out and proud as a Catholic. He loved a bit of Catholicism. Well, I had to actually be happy with that. Another Catholic taking over after. What, the secret Catholic who's... Yeah. Yeah, but everyone else is Church of England. And all of the people in government positions want someone who's from the Church of England because they don't want to risk losing all the power they've got. Oh. See? It's all about who you know. Okay, then. Shut up, James. Leave. <laughs> Leave and shut up. Now, despite his advisers telling Charles II he should ditch Catherine and get a new wife who he could have babies with, Charles refused to do so because despite the rocky start, he had developed a love and respect for Catherine. He'd seen how hard she'd worked to be a good queen and he was like, yep, she's she's a damn good queen, you know, and I'm not getting rid of her just because she can't give me a son and heir. Aww. To the point that when Barbara Palmer, his old girlfriend, refused to treat Catherine with the respect that was expected of a queen, he kicked her out instead. He got rid of Barbara Palmer. He was like, either you treat my Catherine with respect or you can hit the road. Hit the road, Barbara! I knew Barbara was trouble. Yeah. I, I could feel it in my in my bones. <laughs> I could feel it. He did get all the girlfriends, though. Blair. But from that point on, he was more discreet about it. And he made sure that they always showed due deference to Catherine. So he was like, I can't love just one person, but she's number one, and don't you all forget it. You're all secondary so, girlfriends. She's so, top girlfriend. So he, it's like this. So, he, so he's Charles is saying, if you don't treat Catherine with this respect, you're out because she's a damn right good queen. She is a damn so right good queen. So you need to treat her with respect. She's also my wife. So don't you forget that. You need to help her. Okay, yep. that's yep. your job. That's about right. This unexpected loyalty from Charles was likely due to the fact that Catherine had lots of amazing qualities. Do you want to hear about her amazing qualities? Yes, 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 and another one, yes. She was kind, respectful of others, and always had perfect manners. 
The king's mother, so her mother-in-law, always difficult to impress the mother-in-law, Evie, remember that. She described Catherine as, and this is a direct quote. Do you want me to do a mother-in-law voice? The best creature in the world from whom I see so much affection. I have the joy to see the king love her extremely. She is a saint. A saint. Ooh, high praise indeed from the mother-in-law. Saint. Number two. She was incredibly good with money and the running of a household. The palace never ran smoother than when Catherine had hold of the purse strings and was sorting everything out. She was good at running a business. Good, Catherine. Number three. Catherine was reportedly a great dancer and would organise lots of grand balls called masks, which the English nobles, they enjoyed immensely. Yay! I'm happy now. That's oh, good. That's there's good more. Thing. Because she wasn't just good at dancing. She was good at fishing. She was good at archery. And she loved spending time out in the fresh air, especially, and I think you'll appreciate this, if a picnic was involved. Oh, yeah. She absolutely loved a picnic, did Catherine. If you could throw things in a wicker hamper and take them up a hill, she was right there with you. Boom. So if there was, like, a grand picnic and Mm. you just throw, chuck a bit of, a lot of food in a gigantic hamper... Yeah. uh, ...and then get a picnic blanket and then, and then go go all the way to, up to a hill, Catherine will follow you. Yeah, you'd find Catherine had already be there waiting. That's how keen she was. But the most yeah. important thing, the what? most important thing, what? Catherine of Braganza popularised the drinking of tea in England. Yes! With the first two, with the first import of two pounds and two ounces of tea recorded in 1664. So I is, like Catherine a lot. She created the obsession. This with is why. Tea. This is why I love Catherine. One, she loves tea as much as I do. Two, she's a really good dancer, like I am. Three, three. Um, she she really likes picnics, and so do I. Four, she likes being out in the fresh air. And five, she's, she's girl kind. Boss. She's kind and generous and keeps things going. Okay, we're just going to take a break to say goodnight to Milo. Okay. Well, you can't do it this time, mate. Okay, I'll just watch. No, mate, because we need to get it recorded. I'll write a special one for you, okay? Okay. Blooming heck, man. Cut that one out, Dad. It's fine. I cut it at the end. Okay, good. But despite all of these good qualities and more... She was still very Catholic, and some people in government wanted her gone. Why? Because they didn't trust Catholics. They'd already passed the Test Acts in 1673, which banned Catholics from holding public office. But they wanted to go one step further and replace Catherine with a Protestant queen to drive home the point that Catholicism was no longer welcome in England. Was Charles happy with what they said? Charles was very not happy with what they said. Did he execute them? No, he didn't. But on the 13th of August, 1678, a chemist called Christopher Kirby approached King Charles as he was walking in the park and told him that he had evidence of a Catholic plot to assassinate him. So, my king, there are Catholics who want you dead. And I have the proof. 
But, but, but then he'll want Catherine gone. Well, although Charles didn't believe it, an investigation was ordered and a man called Titus Oates started accusing lots of people of being involved. Don't laugh at the name Titus Oates. What's funny? (laughs) (coughs) And before you ask, he was not a horse. Well, that's just upsetting. I know. I like horse detectives. Horse detective Titus Oates started accusing lots of different Catholics of being involved in this plan. Good, that's better, because I like horse detectives. Okay. well, the important thing about this particular detective, Titus Oates, was he knew the assassination plot didn't actually exist and was completely made up. It was being used as an attempt to justify the expulsion of all Catholics from the country. So they wanted to kick all of them out. So she, so they wanted to kick the Queen out too? She was a Catholic, so she would be along with the rest of them. But despite being based on lies, it did end up leading to the executions of 22 prominent Catholic priests and nobles for absolutely no reason. So 22 people did get executed for plotting, despite there being no plot. How dare you people show... How- Dare you, Titus Oates? I thought you were good. No, he was bad. bad. But even worse, he was getting confident. So, in November of 1678, Titus Oates finished eating his hay. And then then he accused Catherine of Braganza (gasps) and her personal doctor of plotting to kill her husband by poison. (gasps) Which would naturally be considered... Sorry. I'm going to blow the mic out. It's just so devastating. Which would have been considered high treason and would have led to her execution. And if he had hoped that a quick execution was indeed to follow, Titus was sadly mistaken. When considering if the accusations could possibly be true, Charles realised that he trusted his wife completely, saying, and this is a direct quote from the king, She could never do anything wicked, and it would be a horrible thing to abandon her. Sensing the mood of the king, the House of Lords voted by an overwhelming majority not to even bother investigating the accusation that was made against her, and Titus Oates ended up being sentenced to being whipped through the streets of London twice. Yeah, evil Titus Oates, you horse. And imprisoned for life except for one day a year when he would be placed in the stocks so that people could throw rotten fruit at him. Oh, I know what stocks are. They're like little holes that you put your arms in and then a head through. Yeah, so he was put in those once a year on a special day and people threw food at him. Even bread? I don't know. I think it was rotten vegetables. Although being a horse, he might have enjoyed that. (laughs) (laughs) Nay! But instead of pushing the royal couple apart, the accusations brought them closer together. And it seemed that there was a good chance that they would now be able to enjoy a long and happy reign together. The end. Healing the Protestant-Catholic divide in the country by their own example. Unfortunately, less than seven years later, on February the 2nd, 1685, Charles suffered a sudden and depilate... Charles suffered a sudden and depilate... Flipping heck. <laughs> depilate. Debilitating is what I'm going for. Unfortunately, less than seven years later, on February 2nd, 1685, Charles suffered a sudden and debilitating illness. Within a few days, it was clear that he was dying. (gasps) 
and Catherine couldn't bear to see him in such a state. So she sent a final message to her husband that said, I beg your pardon if I have offended you all your life. He sent a message back to her, saying, Alas, poor woman, you ask for my pardon? I beg yours with all my heart. Which I think's fair, considering he had at least 14 children with other women, while she'd been unfailingly loyal and supportive. So he knew that he'd done some naughty things. Ah oh, no, it is sad, isn't it? They finally started to love each other, properly. And then it all went wrong. But don't worry, because Catherine's going to survive it. She's a strong, independent woman. She knows how to run a household. Don't you worry about Catherine. But who will she marry now? She don't need no man. Yes, she does. She's a, she's a one-man kind of woman. But what... What if um, there's another man that tries to marry her? Well, we'll see. Charles finally died on February the 6th, 1685. And despite always trying to do what was expected of her, facing the mistrust of the English Protestants with quiet dignity and bringing tea to the country, at the age of 46, Catherine of Braganza was no longer the Queen of England. Because guess who took the throne? Guess who took the throne? Can you remember? Oats. No, not Titus Oates. <laughs> yes, it's Titus Oates. He's in prison. No, he's not. He's in prison and he's not going to be king. It was Charles's very Catholic brother, James. Yay. James took the throne. Is James going to marry? No. No, that would be weird. You don't marry your brother's wife. But because he was a Catholic and because she felt safe with him on the, fr on the throne... Catherine stayed in England during the reign of James. But when he was replaced in a revolution by William of Orange. Mm. William of Orange? Yeah. So the glorious he, revolution. Did he really like the colour orange? Uh, no, he was from a country with an orange flag. Oh, OK. But when William of Orange came over, who was a Protestant, so we're flip-flopping again... Catherine found herself once again being viewed with suspicion. Suspicion? Like mm. Titus Oates. She was the wife of the brother of the guy who'd just been replaced as king. So they were like, well, she might be a bit miffed about that. So we might want to keep an eye on her in case she calls for revolution. After all, her dad became king via a revolution. So she's got it in her blood. Her family's got form of revolutioning all over the place. She doesn't have revolution blood. Well, her dad did a revolution and became a king, didn't he? Yeah, but she doesn't have revolution blood. There's no such thing as revolution blood. There is, and she has it, so we need to be suspicious. We don't need to be suspicious. We know she's good. She was warned, don't you get involved in politics. And a law was passed to limit how many Catholic servants she was allowed to have. So they <gasps> passed a law to stop her having help. From what? From servants who were Catholics, because if, if she had too many Catholic servants, they might get involved in revolution, because she's got revolution blood. <laughs> Realising that she might eventually find herself in danger without Charles or James to support her, Catherine decided to return to Portugal in March of 1692. So she's done with England. They never, they never appreciated her, even though she gave them tea. So she's back off home to Portugal. Her husband, is she taking the grave with her? No, no, Charles is remaining. 
she's going to go back over to Portugal. Spanish kicked the Portuguese. No, no, no. They kept <gasps> they kept it. They won the war. Yay! And by the time she returned, it was her younger brother, Peter the Second, who Peter was king of the Portugal. Second. And Catherine was welcomed back into the family fold. A new palace was built in Lisbon for her to live in, called Bemposta Palace. Bemposta? She had a brand new palace built just for her. Bemposta Palace. Catherine She'd had a lifetime of experience, you know, helping to rule the country. Mm. So she provided counsel and advice to her little brother for the better part of a decade before she found herself with a new and very important role. Because although she had never had a kid of her own, you know what you said about adopting? Yeah. Well, in 1699, her little brother's wife died. So Catherine stepped in to supervise the education of Peter's son, her nephew, Don John. Don John. Who will go on to be known as the Portuguese Sun King. Don, so the, the, Don John reminds me of a, of a drummer from in a brass band. Don John, the, dra- the drummer. Yes, Titus <clears throat> Oates, the horse, and Don, Don, and Don John, the drummer. Well, you can also refer to him as the Portuguese Sun King. Because the sun is now also revolving around his head. He's not... Rev- it's re- not revolving around his head! So she'd started off as a young girl, thinking that she was going to help a sun king rule the kingdom. And now, as an old woman, she's helping a sun king rule the kingdom. So it's come full circle. Her brother Peter, the second, had ongoing health issues. And Catherine stepped in to act as regent, so sort of substitute king. What substitute? It means that when he couldn't do the kinging, she stepped in to do it all on a, on his behalf. Well, she did this in 1701 and 1704 in order to keep everything running smoothly in Portugal, which she naturally did very well at because she was a great organiser and she could apparently drive a very hard bargain. So Catherine of Braganza never paid more than she had to for anything. She was a businesswoman and she would dance into the shop beautifully, demand the best deal and then dance out again. Why dancing in... Because she liked to dance. And then she'd go for a picnic to celebrate. Catherine, this very capable woman, she lived a long and full life, but being a queen's tiring. It takes a lot out of you. And Catherine died at her Bemposta Palace on New Year's Eve, which is annoying. That's not the day you want to die. She missed the New Year's celebrations. She didn't see... 1705 becomes 1706 by less than 24 hours. Which is a shame. Yes. How old was she? Uh, Let's have a think. So that was 1705 and she was born in 1638. She was nearly 70. Which was good going back in those days because life expectancy was a lot shorter. She'd had a long and full life. To the very end, she was just trying to be as useful as possible to those around her. Polite, kind and giving. And picnicky. And picnicky. Yes, she died having had a lovely picnic that morning, but it had been December, so she got a bit chilly. She probably should have brought an extra blanket when she went up that hill that day. Anyway, the following year, the nephew she had prepared for power became King of Portugal as John V. And during his 44-year reign, he oversaw a massive increase in the wealth and prosperity of the country. 
Meanwhile, the Stuart dynasty would end for good in 1714 with the death of Queen Anne. Who's Queen Anne? Queen Anne is really the last of the Stuart monarchs. Um, and after her, we replaced her with a German bloke. German? Called George. <laughs> then we had a lot of Georges. Uh, and then we got the current lot in after that. Okay? So that, Evie Bear, is the story of Catherine of Braganza, who I feel, for her contribution to tea, her fantastic dancing and her love of picnics, is possibly the second best queen we've ever had. Who's the first best, then? Who are you named after? So you think Elizabeth is the best queen? No, I think Elizabeth II is the best queen. Why? She was the nation's granny. <laughs> and if if everything had been equal and we'd have done things properly, she also would have been the last monarch we ever had. That was the perfect time to say, nope, let's stop this and have Republic from now I on. actually think of a... Uh, sorry to say this, but... Your, your favourite queen, Queen Elizabeth II, yeah. is number two for me. Behind who? Queen Anne. Is it Queen Anne? No! Is it Mary? Bloody Mary? The one who murdered everyone? Shut up! How dare you? Shut Is it Empress Matilda? I mean, some people do consider her a queen, even though she never officially got the title. Okay. Number one's Catherine. Okay, well, I'm glad you enjoyed Catherine. (laughs) Who who did you think? It's Catherine. Okay. Well, I'm glad I've given you a new favourite queen. Yeah. Also, I, I will draw you a picture of Titus Oates, the horse. I Nay! will look forward to the picture of Titus Oates, the horse, Evie. Thank you for creating such a wonderful character who may be recurring. I hope Titus Oates is recurring. Who's What's does recur mean? It means we keep mentioning him over and over again until the joke gets very stale and boring. Yeah. Fantastic. High five. Goodbye. Poddy peeps. Shut up! Poddy peeps. Come on, say goodbye, poddy peeps, Evie. No, goodbye, podcast people. Bye-bye. Hi there, it's Emma, Chief Organiser at Consistently Eccentric. Here to remind you all that if you like what you hear, you can catch up with all previous episodes and session series by searching for us on Acast, Spotify and iTunes. How fancy. You can also join us on Instagram at Consistently Eccentric Podcast, where we update on the weekly episode and post all of our bonus content for you lucky lot. See you next week.